The Sparks Museum podcast is made possible by a grant from the Nevada Humanities and the National Endowment for the Humanities. The podcast is just one of many new features of the Sparks Heritage Museum. To learn more, check out our social media channels or our website at www.sparksmuseum.org. Hello, and welcome to the Sparks Museum podcast. I'm your host and the media manager for the Sparks Heritage Museum, Jessica Johnson. Welcome to the final episode of season one of the Sparks Museum podcast. We have been proud to feature Sparks stories from local experts, historians, and personalities, bringing you an in-depth insight into the moments that have given this city that unique spark that you can't quite find anywhere else. On this final episode of Season 1 of the Sparks Museum podcast, I welcome Dr. Christine Johnson, Executive Director of the Sparks Museum. We discuss Christine's efforts in the museum to date and her hopes for the future of the museum and this podcast. Please welcome to the podcast, Dr. Christine Johnson. Hello, Christine. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Sparks Museum podcast. Well, thanks for having me. So I would love to begin by knowing a little bit more about your role at the museum and how long have you been with the museum? Well, I feel really lucky. Um, I've been at the museum now just a little over three years, which I can't believe I can say already. Um, I'm the executive director, and this museum didn't always have an executive director, has for about half its history. And um, I was hired on in January of 2020, uh, right before COVID, which was interesting, but um, <laughs> here we are three years later, and, and I've really enjoyed working for this wonderful little museum. That is amazing. So could you tell us a little bit more about the Sparks Museum, maybe about the history of the building or the organization itself? Oh, absolutely. So the Sparks Museum is actually housed in the original 1931 library uh, for the city of Sparks. Uh, the building is located right there at 814 Victorian Avenue in the heart of downtown Sparks. And uh, the downstairs was originally the Justice Court, where the upstairs was the library. And the whole building uh, is really interesting and, and special to the community. It's actually on the historic register. And uh, the building was designed by renowned architect Frederick de Longchamp. Later, in the 1980s, the community gathered uh, and kind of this thought of, of developing a museum came to be. Uh, it was actually organized by a bunch of really just passionate citizens, volunteers in the community that just thought about preserving the history of Sparks. And Sparks actually began as a city uh, organized in 1904 and officially incorporated in 1905. So by the 1980s, you know, time has passed and people are thinking about Sparks the way it was and seeing all the growth and development that was happening at the time. It was a kind of a good point, a good turning point for people to think about, you know, organizing a museum. And again, it was all built by volunteers. They worked with the city and kind of floated the idea like, hey, we should have a museum. And originally uh, they met and organized uh, in the basement of the city hall. And then eventually uh, when the building became available uh, very soon after, uh, the city allowed the museum to basically take over that building in partnership with the city. Uh, the city continues to own the building, but the museum operates as an, a nonprofit organization and it always has since 1985. Um, originally, the museum was set up in the building next door, which is the 820 Victorian address. And shortly thereafter in the 1985-86 uh, time 
time frame, they moved into the 814 Victorian uh, building. So the two buildings are actually uh, right next to each other. And uh, Last Chance Joe, our our giant little miner that was associated with the early years of the Nugget, um, he's been uh, rescued and restored uh, by the museum staff and volunteers and 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 citizens of the community actually, and he's actually mounted to the front of the 820 building. The two buildings are are conjoined with a, a tunnel that walk, kind of you walk through uh, between the two buildings. So when you enter the museum's main entrance at 814 Victorian, you enter a gift shop. But today uh, we have incorporated a library into the lower portion of that building. Um, kind of a nod back to the what, what the building was originally. And having it been um, a library back in the 1930s to be able to restore kind of a function of that library is kind of a, brings a smile to our faces. So when you enter that building, you encounter both a gallery space upstairs in the original library. We have a small library downstairs now in a gift shop. And then you walk through a tunnel into the permanent gallery of the museum at the A20 building. That is fantastic. Now, I heard you mention the city a couple of times um, while giving that background, and we have been fortunate in this first season of the Sparks Museum podcast to have several city officials be on the podcast discussing the city and the museum, even though it appears that the city works very much in tandem with the museum. Does the city run the museum? No, actually, and that's that. I'm glad you asked that. It's um, quite an interesting rela- relationship between the museum and and the city. That, like I said, the city owns the buildings, and the museum operates as a nonprofit entity, separate and apart from the city. However, um, both need each other, right? Um, we are we are really serving as the only tourist. Uh, destination in as far as information and you know wayfinding and uh, what's going on in the community we are a great place for for finding out you know how to to deal with the art walk or what events are going on people drop off their flyers it's an information center Um, now with the library as well there's a way to look up events and kind of what's going on in the community right there in the library. So we serve as kind of a, a resource for the city, um, both for tourism and residents. And then also we are supporting the, the city as kind of, in a, in a, I think the most interesting way is preserving the history. And every day that passes adds to that historic record. So here we are collecting and preserving the history and the heritage of Sparks, Uh, and at the same time serving an actual functional purpose for the city. In building off of the idea of the museum serving this function of preserving the history of Sparks, I think that that has remained the main purpose of this podcast too. That's the thought process that went into building this podcast was really finding people who were local experts on these topics to match the history that is already present within the gallery of the museum. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about the themes of the museum. Um, what, What do you see when you go into the gallery or what do you experience just overall? What is the museum trying to communicate? Wow, that's that's great. I'm glad you pointed that, pointed that out as far as being able to see themes throughout the museum. That's actually how the this I'm thrilled to have this podcast, actually. Um, The way I understand it, it's actually the only museum-based podcast in our state at this time that we are recording this. And it really was an opportunity to showcase uh, the the gallery spaces and our our mission statements, actually, in a way that maybe we reach new people, a new audience, and also people, again, this was kind of... uh, 
our idea was kind of born as a result of COVID response, right? And this is, um, again, a grant-funded project from Nevada Humanities. And with that, and thinking about how can we bring our museum to people who might not be able to ever visit, and hello to people that are listening in other countries, by the way, um, it's also, uh, you know, a resource for people to either learn in a new way or, again, maybe reach people that are in younger generations that, that really are into podcasts. So we were really happy to kind of jump off the the bridge and just kind of really take a leap into this. So thinking of that and how it was organized with regard to the themes in the museum, you can venture into the museum and see everything from the, the roots of the community. We have the stories, you know, of the original settlement and how Sparks was born as a result of the railroad lines shifting, right? And the move out of Wadsworth into Sparks. And um, I think people overlook that, especially in our space today, as you travel through the Reno-Sparks area, there's not this definitive line between the two communities anymore. And at the time when Sparks was born, it was. So getting to see that original settlement and see how open the space was and how separate and apart it was from Reno is, I think, extraordinarily important to the, the story and the takeaway that people get as coming, th- coming through the museum. Um, There's the story of John Sparks, Governor John Sparks, who the city is named for. There's some beautiful artifacts that help communicate uh, how important communication systems were in our community and still are. Um, There's a really lovely exhibit on the Nugget and area casinos that we're developing. We have some beautiful new exhibits that are telling stories in new ways, including the Sparks Police Department, the Lincoln Highway, and some of these speakers that we've had on the podcast have really highlighted those particular exhibits. And we're really proud, again, to kind of be incorporating new stories into the old um, roots of the museum, which was to collect and preserve the history and heritage of this community. And that history changes all the time because it gets added to. So getting to bring in new modern uh, stories and complement the older roots of the, the community in that way, I think it kind of presents this, this really nice arc of history through this community. What kinds of updates have happened at the museum in the recent past? Well, um, in the last three years, we've seen a lot of uh, opportunities to incorporate some new new ideas and, and everything from this podcast to new spaces in our museum that we developed. Um, some of it was COVID response. Some of it was opportunity through um, meeting people and new ideas that are coming forward. People are finding us, rediscovering us maybe, and even with certain departments in the, in the city of Sparks, like I said, the, the police exhibit is one of, one of those examples. And that really was a community effort. The library is a wonderful new addition. Um, that is a research center. This is a non-circulating collection, but as a, as a result of COVID, we really were able to dig in during our closed time and find out what we had. And what we had was thousands of photographs that document the history of Sparks and, and the surrounding area, actually. Um, we have hundreds and hundreds of books. We have postcards. We have articles, vertical files with newspaper clippings. And there was an opportunity to bring this to a front-facing 
way and let people um, come in and, and see what we have. We have a beautiful yearbook collection, and that seems to be the most fun for folks, just coming in to see, I need to see this yearbook. My grandpa graduated from Sparks High. Or we have an event and people venture into the library and they find their own yearbooks. You know, it's fun. We have all three public high schools and uh, one of the private high schools uh, there in the in the library, and people can, can come in and check it out. Um, we also have had incredible community support in developing that library. The Elks Lodge of Sparks donated uh, money that allowed us to purchase the the wonderful conference table and beautiful chairs and the solar shades for the for that side of the building. We were gifted from the State Library and Archives two beautiful study carols, study desks. Um, we were gifted from Computer Core uh, some computers and super awesome support and updates from the city IT department uh, to make these computers uh, very accessible for folks. And we got a private donation from a very generous individual, which allowed us to buy books and archival resources and materials and a subscription to Ancestry.com and Newspapers.com that will be available to the public by visiting our library. And how do people visit the library? How can they access these resources? Well, visitors to the the museum can come Tuesday through Saturday presently. Uh, Our hours are 10 to 4, and that includes the the library. We have open hours of the library at 10 to 1 right now, but by special appointment or just letting us know you're coming in, uh, we'll make it available, of course. Um, Everyone can see it when they come in, for sure, but we want to make sure we have folks there that are assisting people if they need help. And admission to the whole building is just $5, $4 for seniors and kids are free. And if you want to use the library resources, um, be, I, I recommend being a member. Uh, our cheapest membership is $30 is for the whole year. And you can come in every open day and hang out on the computer, research your, your family, whatever it takes. Um, uh, we're excited about that opportunity. And again, this museum is a, a nonprofit organization. So everything that we're doing and building here is really um, in need of support. And that's one way that we get the support is through our paid admissions and our memberships. One of the most exciting aspects for me, I feel like this is becoming a one big advertisement for the museum, but you know what? <laughs> this is the season finale. We can do what we want. Um, one of my most favorite aspects of the membership is the Rome option. Could you explain that? Some yeah. More? So there are these kind of network organizations that exist out in, in space. Uh, and one of the things we looked into early on was how to better our membership benefits at all. Right now, um, people that sign up as members, it depends on the level that you sign up at, but basically you get free admission to all of our general events, our lectures, things like this through the whole, for the whole year. So it's a, a, a one-year membership is completely worth it as far as your benefits. Um, the higher the, the levels of membership go, you get different things like bringing in other people, you get tickets to things, things like this. At the $100 level, we discovered that there was an organization out there called the Reciprocal Organization of Associated Museums. And what it allowed us to do was join this organization, and there were certain requirements we we had to meet, uh, which we did. And as a result, we're one of a, a 
about 400 museums nationwide that if you um, join at a $100 membership or above, you get a special sticker on your membership card, and that allows you access to these other 400 museums. There's 60-some-odd museums in California alone. So the geography was worth it for us. We thought, like, well, let's see if we can join this organization and provide a better benefit for our members. And we've had a lot of people come from California because they found us on the list. So we're kind of getting out there. The visibility is increasing through programs like this for us. But also it's a great uh, benefit to people who do like to travel and see museums when they go places. So looking into the Rome membership might be a great idea if you are a museum lover like I am and you want to go places and see museums when you get there. So um, yeah, that's a, that you get the Rome benefit if you join our museum as a $100 member or that, above. That's fantastic. Yeah, it is. It is. We've had a lot of good response. Now, a lot happened in 2022. 2022 was a big year for the Sparks Museum. <laughs> I feel like in thinking about post-COVID response, that was really the year that everyone was really trying to get back on track. Yeah. And that certainly was the case for the Sparks Museum. So in thinking about the future of the museum, three major changes mm. happened to the gallery space. But I think what is so intriguing about them, and we've spoken to this with the guests we've had on the podcast, Michonne Eben, mm. Jim Bonar, yeah. and Deputy Chief Ch Tara Edmondson, mm -hmm of all of these new additions have been community partnerships. Can you speak to the three new exhibits in you know, our gallery? That, I'm glad you hit on community partnerships. That's really what, what I think any museum needs to have as a foundation and having the opportunity to reach out to different groups of people that maybe we haven't partnered with before or had an opportunity with as a result of, hey, we've got a space, let's do an exhibit, you know. Um, uh, the Lincoln Highway Association sponsoring that exhibit, the police um, coming truly in force, <laughs> pardon the pun, uh, to help with the development of that exhibit and share personal things that they had and stories and additions through the just labor, bringing in the police, uh, the old jail cell gates that have been refurbished. I mean, it was, it was great to see these kind of community responses to Let's tell our stories, you know, and I think uh, one of the greatest additions is a revitalized and a brand new um, Native American exhibit. Um, that was a partnership with the Reno Sparks Indian Colony, and we're really proud to have worked uh, with this tribal organization in this way to have a modern story told, uh, recognizing that these are people who who are rooted in this land and have been here time immemorial. It's a new story and a way to introduce visitors and people who don't know their stories uh, to our amazing indigenous cultures of this region. So having those three new exhibits and then a few more now in the works for development in the coming coming year, uh, 2022 was a big year for the museum with three exhibits having been fully, uh, fully redone and the opening of the new research center, which as we speak is still classified as Nevada's newest library. Um, I understand there's a small library opening down in the southern part of the state that's going to take that title away from us, but we opened that library in October of 22, and again, those are huge uh, achievements for such a small museum. It really is, it's the biggest museum in Sparks, 
but we are also classified as a very small museum. Again, I'm actually the only paid employee there. And this museum has been run for the almost 40 years with a team of amazingly dedicated and devoted volunteers. So everything we do is community-based in some way. And really, on with the volunteers as, as the vehicle to make all of this happen. Now, building off of that, how do people get involved in the museum? Well, all you have to do is walk in the door. You can call us. You can and email us. We have info at sparksmuseum.org. Our phone number is 775-355-1144. Or you can just truly walk in the door. We're open 10 to 4, and there is always somebody at the front desk smiling and ready to greet you. You can work with our team. We need we need people just sitting at the front desk willing to talk to people and say, hi, welcome to Sparks. This is what I know about the place. What do you know about the place? It's just a place to talk, to connect, to help people truly just walk in the door, introduce it, and let them go. You can help be part of events. You can work at special things that we do. We have a wonderful Christmas event of local arts and crafts that we celebrate, uh, usually the second weekend of December. We need people to sell raffle tickets. We need people to help it, you know, some of the outdoor activities we do during Art Town and things like this. We need people that want to sit in the gallery and, and explain things to people. We need people to lead school tours. Now, what about for people like me? I know it's a little deceptive since I'm the host of the podcast, but I really do like some of the more technical, quiet work. Is there uh, opportunities to volunteer, perhaps in the archives or in the research center? Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's another thing. If we had more people uh, that wanted to help in the library, um, we would be open and have it covered the whole six hours shifts every day. Right now we just have it covered for the three, but really um, there really is something for everyone. We definitely need help with um, cataloging. There's database management. There's all kinds of things that people can do. It's really about finding what someone's skill set is and what they want to do and want to contribute. Um, quite often, People come in thinking that they want to do one thing and then find out they can do something else. And that's another thing, you know, it's been kind of fun to see people try something new that have been there for a long time as a volunteer and say, well, wait a minute, maybe I want to do that. And, and really you won't know until you come in and we show you what's here. And, and that's the whole point is this is a community place. This is built by volunteers and it will continue because of volunteers. And that includes new people finding us, you know. And what I think is so spectacular, too, is that the volunteer demographic ranges from all ages. Oh, yeah. We have we have had everything from high school students that just wanted to do a project. Um, we have a lot of student interns that come from the university, and then they end up staying. Uh, they want they want to come back and keep their project going or whatever. Um, we have a lot of retired people. We have retired teachers and engineers and all kinds of people that have a different thing that they bring to this team. Um, one of the wonderful things is the amount of hours that that people actually find themselves committing to the museum. There are no minimum hours that anybody has to contribute. It depends on the task really that somebody's doing. But it's really um it's just a great place to be and we've actually had 
I've come out to the front desk area and found just people standing out there talking like a fun little gathering. And, and yet some of the events that we have, um, the, the wonderful lectures and things like that, we have a lot of our own people that come in special just to hear the lectures. So it's, it kind of becomes a little family and we invite everyone to be part of this because it wouldn't exist if people hadn't thought of this again, 1980s and it's still here. So we really want people to connect. And it's my understanding that the uh, museum's volunteerism has been recognized by the Governor's Points of Life Awards. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, the entire museum organization was uh, was awarded the Bronze Award for Governor's Points of Light for, for the organization, the volunteer organization, last year. And then this year, one of our volunteers, Dick Dryling, who I believe was also on this podcast, he won the Lifetime Achievement Award, um, the Silver Award for 2022. And it was a really great thing to see him recognized. Um, that's another thing that, that I maybe should mention is that uh, we actually work in partnership with the city to manage the train, the historic train that's across the street. And the Glendale Schoolhouse, which was relocated to Victorian Avenue some years back. And we uh, open those sites to share with school tours. And on Saturday, sometimes uh, the schoolhouse has been open. But for sure, when weather permitting, our train is open. And Mr. Dick Dryling is is dressed as a conductor waiting to greet people. And he takes you through a, a his, history of the train and, and transportation uh, during that time. It's a beautiful artifact. It's actually a an artifact that you get to walk through. Both of those are the schoolhouse and the the train. So those are other things that people get a chance to see and be part of um, as both visitors and volunteers. So Now, we are the only museum in Sparks, but how does the Sparks Museum fit into the larger museum system in the state of Nevada? Oh my gosh, um, that's actually a, a great opportunity to highlight some of our friends uh, out there in the museum world. Um, again, Sparks is, is a private museum. It's an independent museum. It's not funded by the state or the city or the county per se. Um, the state of Nevada has a, a big network of, of state museums or seven museums in that network. But um, along the path, and it's actually kind of a fun thing to to ride the the freeways and think about the museums that you find along the way. Um, if you go east to west, um, there's some wonderful museums in in the Reno area. Um, shout out to the Auto Museum and the Art Museum, and the university has quite a few museums on its campus that are open to the public as well. Uh, but heading east, the Marzen House Museum in Lovelock. Um, Elko has a fabulous, the Northeastern Museum in, in Elko is fabulous. And heading out all across the state are these these wonderful gems in their communities. And again, we have museums because people care. People care about the culture and the heritage. They're trying to protect it, preserve it, and share it. And that's what's wonderful. Travel the travel the lonely roads of Nevada and find <laughs> these gems in the communities. Tonopah, Yarrington, uh, and certainly the, the plethora of museums that are in Las Vegas that are fabulous. Um, the Mob Museum, the Neon Museum, absolutely great uh, gems in our communities. And we're really lucky. It's a very big state with many stories to tell. And almost every community has a museum. And that's that's the fun. There's the Nevada Museum Association, which is actually a museum organization. But the public can actually go on the website and you actually can join uh, as a member if you wanted to. Um, 
that's an organization that works to connect all of the museums together so we can share information. Some of the smaller museums benefit from the information or resources of the larger uh, museums that we can work in partnerships, share exhibit ideas, things like this. Um, so we're building and growing in that way as well through the Nevada Museum Association. So what is the best part of your job? Oh my gosh, I think really it's seeing the smiles on people's faces and the sense of community and connection that I feel in that museum. Um, when you walk into it, you just smile because this was somebody's idea, it was somebody's thought, and to get to be part of it every day, it just kind of kind of chokes me up a little bit. It's 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 getting to be there. I feel it's a privilege. Um, I also love those opportunities when I find that one thing crazy thing that's in a box that maybe nobody remembered was there and you say what is this and you find out it's wow really that's what this is and we get to tell the story and um these are the fun the fun parts of the job museums are 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 really kind of famous for finding the the crazy thing that gets forgotten and so um some of those things have happened for us recently with the evolution of these um exhibits and kind of digging deep into the boxes and find out what's really there. The museum collections grow because of contributions as well. So this is another opportunity for um, anybody in the local area listening is dig into your boxes. What do you have that belongs in a museum? That's actually a challenge we actually ask a lot of the school kids when they come. We try and teach them how to you know, what a museum is and, and why we do what we do in a museum. And one of the questions we ask is, think really hard. And what do you have? What's the most special thing that you think should be in a museum? And the answers that the kids give are, they, they, they're all over the map. And some of them make me laugh and some of them just break your heart. You know, I've had children say like, oh, my grandpa's violin. And I've had another child say my necklace. And you think about, wow, that necklace must really mean something to that child to have him think that, you know, wow, that should be here in a museum. Um, so what it is, it, again, especially a museum like this, which is community-driven, um, it can only continue to grow with the support of the community, whether it's through donations or contributions in this way. So, um, again, collection items are always something that we're looking for. If you have that crazy, awesome postcard that you never knew what to do with, bring it in. Matchbooks, historic artifacts, you never know what you have in those weird boxes in your attic. <laughs> Now, do you have a favorite artifact in the museum? Oh, boy. Um, I think my favorite artifact, the one I, I always stop and look at, is Bertha the Elephant's shoe. We have one of Bertha's shoes that was uh, devised for her to be able to walk uh, on the, the hot cement, right? Um, they, she lived uh, in the outdoor elephant pen at um, the Nugget, which is not far from us, right across the street and down the way. Um, back in the day, you know, having those elephants walk on the, the pavement, the cement, they, they needed protection. And so shoes were were created for them. And we have one of the shoes on display. And And I just stop and look. what my favorite part of it is the actual inside of the, the shoe has casino carpeting from wow. it. So it was like they needed a liner and it was like, well, what do we have? Well, here's some casino carpet. And it just is so poetic that here was this elephant that worked and performed in the Nugget showroom. Of course, there was casino carpet laying around. So it makes me smile. That's a, a beautiful artifact just before the, the history of the, the stuff that's happened in Sparks. But then I think another one that's just really powerful to me is the 
beautiful dining room set that's on loan to us from the Sparks family of Governor John Sparks uh, that was actually part of his home and, and the, the dining room set was, was preserved and then loaned to the museum. And that's another one when I walk by and I think, wow, one of our governors sat there, you know, it's, it's kind of powerful when, when you walk by and think of things that way and you picture people using the things, you know? Yeah. What are your hopes for the future of this museum or possibly this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would actually like to see it kind of continue on the trajectory that it has been on, which is almost um, unmanageable if you think about all that we accomplished with such a small group of people in the last, you know, 18 months, really. Um, We... I think revitalizing exhibits is always useful because it allows us to incorporate more artifacts, tell new stories, um, reinvent, you know, the, the whole experience for the visitor. We are constantly trying to find new and innovative topics for lectures and programs. Um, we're building our community partnerships, things like this. And I really just think uh, the thing that would uh, be best for the museum is that more people find us and more people uh, start supporting the museum because um, it can't continue without, really, without you. Well, I think that that is the perfect way to end this portion of the podcast. But for the final time of season one of the Sparks Museum podcast, it is time for the big three questions. Oh, no. These are the three questions that I ask every guest. And the first question is, what sparks you about Sparks? What makes it a unique place to live, work, or even just visit? Oh my gosh. I think right off the bat, what I would say is just that feeling of community, whether it's a giant event like the rib cook off or whatever's going on, hot August nights, things like this. I mean, people are just happy. It's just a great place to be. It's a, it, it feels small, even though it's growing. And I think that's, what's kind of made Sparks special all along is that sense of family and community. You have new people moving into the, into the area, but you also have people that can claim, you know, fourth, fifth generation of, of connection to the, the space. And it's, it's a wonderful blend of so many people. Um, it, I don't live in Sparks. I have to admit that. Uh, but I feel connected just getting to be part of this museum and seeing the, the, the life exist within it and around it. It's, it's a really exciting thing. And I think it's unique uh, in this way. Do you have a favorite moment from Sparks's history or perhaps have a personal memory uh, from Sparks? <laughs> I think, wow. I mean, I've always been a supporter and gone to so many events and different things that have happened. Um, but I think, Probably my favorite memory that's kind of burned in my brain is as a kid, my mom, uh, my mom would drive us. I don't know if it's because we drove her crazy or what, what was going on, but she put us in her VW bus and she would drive across the freeway going east. And we had one shot to look out the window and see if we could see Bertha and Tina. And uh, she would say, get ready, get ready. And again, back in the day, there was no seatbelts. We were running around a VW bus and we were just glued to the windows and it was the greatest thing in the world to get to look out the window and pass past the elephant pen and get to see Bertha and we would scream and scream we got to saw, see Bertha and I did later in life in a much slower pace get to see actual Bertha and pet her and it was a wonderful um wonderful experience dealing with that elephant but I think about that um driving by the nugget in a VW bus screaming about Bertha the elephant it was super fun and Truly, um, I think so many people in our um, in our 
the whole Reno Sparks area connect and remember Bertha well. And it's a, it's a crazy thing. Who would know, you know, that the elephant was at a casino, but, um, that's, that makes me smile. And lastly, hearkening back to that question posed to school children um, about items that are museum worthy, is there an item that you have either in your personal collection or one that you can think of of historical value that you believe belongs in the Sparks Museum? Gosh, well, I'm not in possession of anything that I that I think would add to the museum's story or collection, uh, but I know that there's a lot of things out there that would help really grow the museums. Uh, in fact, that's one of our ideas is to have kind of a community exhibit, bring in what is Sparks to you, and whether it's pictures or things or buttons or magnets or something that somebody collected it might be a fun way to to celebrate Sparks in a in a very community driven way. I know there's a couple of museums that have particular artifacts that are relate to the John Sparks fam, uh, family, and that would be really neat uh, someday to have those on on exhibit at some point. Um, kind of collect the things that that we don't normally get to see maybe and again some of this is living in people's attics and basements and all of that but yeah I don't have anything particular uh, of my own but I know that there are treasures uh, out there that we I would love to collect and have at one point all together at the Sparks Museum. Well that is fantastic so many exciting things on the horizon, and I am so grateful to have been a part of helping to tell the Spark story through this podcast, and hopefully we can keep it going for a second season. Can I just tell you um, the response that I've had to this podcast? People calling, people sending emails, thanking us for doing it, and also complimenting you as a host, and I really wanted to make sure I say that here. You've done a fabulous job. It's been a comprehensive journey through our museum, through its topics, and connecting to the exhibits that are in the museum and again maybe they change but that's what season two will be for right yeah um, thank you for everything that you've done and I think that this is a wonderful um, addition to kind of a new way of reaching people and and I think it's been fabulous thank you it has truly been my pleasure and to our listeners if you would like to hear more of the Sparks Museum podcast please let us know you can rate review and subscribe and those numbers alone let us know that there is enough interest to generate a second season many more spark stories to be told for the future absolutely thank you so much for being here with us on our season finale Christine thank you thank you very much and come visit the Sparks Museum the sparks museum podcast is funded in part by a grant from the nevada humanities and the national endowment for the humanities it is produced and recorded at the podcast recording studio at sparks's own ant space co-working entrepreneurial hub a place for entrepreneurs made by entrepreneurs we really want to get the word out about our brand new audio series, so please spread the word about our new podcast by taking a moment to rate, review, and share this episode. Do you have a favorite story of Sparks that you want to hear on the podcast? Email info at sparksmuseum.org to share any recommendations. We would love to hear from you. We also invite you to visit the Sparks Heritage Museum on 814 Victorian Avenue. The museum is open Tuesdays through Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Please come visit and be a part of our ongoing efforts to tell the Sparks story. We'll see you next time.